And uh, that, I've not heard that song before, but standing on the, you know, about the decision, you know, and, and the devil kind of prompts you just, oh, just go back to the same old thing. Just going to keep doing the same old thing. And you almost give in. And God needs to remind us that. And I hope that happens through the music today. Well, I got an interesting question. If I ask you today what topics, uh, discussions would cause awkwardness at lunch today, like if you went with your normal group of people, or let's just say you met some new people here today, and say, hey, let's go to lunch together. What would be some topics that you would probably not bring up at the table today? Uh, Politics, that's what the first service is. Politics, religion maybe lifestyle or health issues you might not want to bring that stuff up and get awkward with that death or dying might not a positive topic and so you know we kind of know that but a few years ago wells fargo actually did a survey where they were asking people i don't know why wells fargo did this but they asked a, a question a survey about the most difficult conversations in your life that you can have what, what are those and a lot of people said as you might guess at at the top was Talking about death or dying, that's awkward, that's uncomfortable. Um, They obviously said politics, you know, that can get awkward really fast. They talked about religion, but you know what was at the very top? The people said over and over again, personal finances and money. That's an awkward topic to talk about my personal finances and my money. Now, we like to talk about everybody, oh, the government wastes money. And I can't believe they paid that guy on that team. You know, we can talk about everybody else's, but man, when it comes to ours, it's awkward, isn't it? Now, some of y'all that were here last week go, man, last week he was talking about hell, and this week he's talking about money. Is he trying to run people off? <laughs> well, the reality is Jesus talked about these real-life things, didn't he, in the Gospels. And he wants us to know what he said about those things. He wants our hearts and our minds and our souls, and he wants to know how we view these things, and he wants to give us the proper view of these things. Um, along that line of that, that, uh, uh, um, that survey, Chris Taylor, who actually wrote this article called The Last Taboo, Why Nobody Talks About Money, he said this, everyone knows there are a few hot-button topics that can make any conversation go nuclear, he said, but when it comes to the most difficult conversations you can possibly have, this survey says that clear money is one of those, because especially when it gets personal. Well, in the last two weeks, we've looked at what Jesus said about what we practice In our life, Jesus talked a lot about things that we practice on a daily basis in our lives. And uh, um, he wants us to be a wise person. We looked about in the first week. We talked about where he says, hey, the wise person who hears what I'm saying about God's kingdom and how we're supposed to practice things in our daily lives, how we're supposed to live. And if you listen to what I say and put them into practice, Jesus says, then you will be like the wise person who lays this solid foundation for their life, like the solid foundation of a house on solid ground. And then last week, Jesus says, hey, it is better to go through life missing a hand, missing a foot, or missing an eye, rather than to continue practicing sin in your own life or causing others to stumble into sin in their life and to be th- then to be thrown into hell. And there's that, oh, hell, I don't, you know, we talked about it. Jesus talked about this. But he says, cut out of your life those things which move you and other people away from God. Cut those out of your life and start doing things that move you and other people towards God. Because God wants our hearts, he wants our lives. And so today I want to talk about that very personal practice that's personal. A practice that we all have involvement in, dealing with money and resources and things. And do you realize that Jesus uh, told about 
30 parables. Y'all know what parables are, right? They're great stories that Jesus told in the Bible. But out of those 30 parables that Jesus told in the Bible, do you realize 19 of those had to do with money or some sort of an economics? So what does that say? Even in the first century where Jesus lived, he said, that's where a lot of y'all's heart is. That's what a lot of your problems are, is the, the money and the economics of things. That keeps you from God. It keeps you from each other and your relationships. So I want you to listen carefully to what I say about money, Jesus says. So we're going to look at that. And um, I want us to uh, realize that um, the practice uh, of spending and using resources and money that God has given us in our life, He's given us those things for us to manage we kind of act like they're just ours. And, and I know in our Western culture in the United States, we're a, we're a proud people. We're, we're proud of working hard and earning money to get the things that, that, that we have. And there's nothing wrong with that per se, but we get a little arrogant about that sometimes, don't we? We get a little prideful about that and act like if it wasn't for us, we wouldn't have anything. Nobody would have anything. And a lot of that has to do with God's blessings and opportunities that he gives us and stuff that he gives us to manage. And, uh, but sometimes it can be an awkward topic in the church. Why? Because it's personal. And sometimes when, when personal things and spiritual things mesh, we either end up in a fight or we tend to go and maybe flight from it. We, we take flight. We can be defensive and argue and may, maybe justify, hey, man, my personal finances are my business and, and I do the best I can and that kind of thing. Or we just say, hey, you know what? I'm not talking about this with you. And we kind of run away from it. Or... We can lean in to what Jesus is saying in the Gospels. What did he say? If he spent 19 out of his 30 stories telling about money and, and economics and management of that, then I want to listen to what Jesus, at least what he has to say about it, and see if that lines up with reality. So we're going to look at a couple of those things that Jesus said. Um, the first one's going to be in Matthew's account, first book of the New Testament, Matthew's account in chapter 6. Verses 19 through 21, and there's a lot he says here, but I want to narrow it down just to these two verses for today. And we have that up on the screen. Thank you, or you can open your Bibles or, or read it out of your, your phone or whatever. But this is what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And this is the, man, this is a hard-hitting line right here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then over in Luke's gospel, we're going to unpack that one in a minute. But in Luke's gospel, chapter 16, Jesus tells a parable that is one of the Really, the one of the weirdest one that you kind of go, now what is he saying in this story? And I'm not going to read that parable, but it's right before what he says that I'm getting ready to read. And I want to challenge you to either this afternoon or sometime this week to go to chapter 16 of Luke and read this parable of the dishonest manager. Because it's a weird one. But Jesus is trying to tell us something about God's economy in the kingdom of God. So right after he told this parable, this is what he says. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? 
No one can serve two masters. Jesus has this knack for making things either this or that. And we don't like that in life sometimes, do we? No, there's got to be more choices, doesn't there? And he goes, no, it's either this or that. And you've got to make a choice. And he's trying to get us to see where we really are with our hearts. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Two masters, two ways of storing up things, either for here or, or, or for the future in heaven. What, what are we doing? Well, let's look at that first text from Matthew a little bit. Basically, Jesus says we either store up treasures for ourselves, and we are the one that is responsible for storing up our treasures in the life we've been given. Our, our life is something God gave us, and what we do with it every day is a matter of stewardship, is it? Not just money, but our time and our talents and our gifts and opportunities. Basically saying you either store up, you're either storing up treasures for yourself, either here, or you're storing up those things in heaven. And the things you store up here, they can be destroyed. They can be taken away from you. You ever gone into a box or something that you've had stored for a long time, and you went in there and you go, oh man, what happened here? It either got damp or moss got in or something. I had this box that I had some tools and stuff in it that I used for some lawn care stuff. And I had it uh, in, on my trailer sitting out in, in my yard. And um, I didn't realize there was a, a, a crack in the corner of the box. And so for the last few months, it's been getting water in there, dripping. I didn't know it. So I went in there to get a tool out the other day, and it was like it was all watery in there. And I was like, oh, and I started pulling junk out that was molded, and it was rusty. And I'm like, man. You ever had that experience with something? You know, we talk about, um, uh, you know, the environment and that we're going to destroy the environment. I'm pretty sure the, the environment's destroying a lot of my stuff. How about you? I mean, it is oxidizing my paint. It is, it is tearing up things. And I look at the trees and I'm like, they look pretty good. Ain't bothering them as much. But we have these things where, and have, have you ever had anything stolen? That's an awful feeling, isn't it? When you, man, somebody stole my stuff. I remember walking back to my car one day and seeing my, my window smashed out of my car and somebody had gotten in and, and I'm an idiot, I left my wallet in there, okay? And they stole my wallet, went right next door to Best Buy and rung up like $3,000 worth of stuff. You know, and it's just an awful feeling, isn't it? When you have something stolen. He says, when we put all of our treasures in things here, those can be stolen. Those can be, you know, molded and all those kind of things. So store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where that stuff doesn't happen. It's things that last for eternity. And that's what he's talking about. And then Jesus talks about this incredible statement, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about that. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. Think about where your treasure is, where you spend the most time, where you spend the most money, the most emphasis, the thing that you think about the most if that's your treasure, that's where your heart is. You're always thinking about that. Randy Alcorn, who's written a lot about money and heaven, very neat guy. He says this in, a, in an article he wrote called Where Is Your Heart? On this very passage, he says this. Suppose you buy shares of, of General Motors. What happens? You suddenly develop this keen interest in everything that General Motors is doing. You check the financial pages. You see a magazine article about General Motors, and you read every word of it. Even though a month ago you would have just passed over that. But now you've invested in them, you want to know what is going on. 
Well, suppose you're giving to African children with AIDS. When you see an article on the subject, you're hooked. You read the article. If you're sending money to plant churches in India and you hear about an earthquake in India, you watch the news and you fervently pray. Do you wish that you cared more about external, eternal things? Then reallocate some of your money, maybe most of your money, from temporal things to eternal things. Put your resources, your assets, and your money and possessions, your time and talents and energies into the things of God and watch what happens in your life and into your thoughts. As surely as the compass needle follows north, your heart will follow your treasure. Money leads and hearts follow. Man, that's, that's convicting, isn't it? That whole thing about where your treasure is, there is your heart. It's convicting for me. So if Jesus said, Craig, I want to do an audit of your personal finances. I want to look at your checkbook. I want to look at your bank statements. I want to look at all the things you've purchased in the last few months. I'm going to do an audit for you. Man, would that be awkward? Well, uh, spend a lot of money on that new iPhone 11, aren't you? How's that helping you for kingdom work, Craig? I see what all this is you brought for, for Christmas, and I see what you're paying monthly on, and see those debts you have. Don't you remember reading in Proverbs, Craig's? You're a slave to the lender. Yeah, but... I mean, what do you say to Jesus if he's looking at our personal... Would any of y'all feel comfortable if Jesus wanted to do that? Here's the deal, y'all. He is. He does constantly. He's doing an audit of our heart. Let me tell you. So the other uh, Friday, I was washing my wife's van. And I'm, I'm, I'm at the um, cleaning the tires and the wheels. And, and uh, Aaliyah, our six-year-old, comes out. And she goes, Daddy, what are you doing? And we had this little joke when she's obviously seeing what I'm doing. And she asked me what I'm doing. So I say something stupid like... So I said, I'm playing baseball, you know, as I'm washing the tire. And she just laughs. She goes, no, you're not. I said, well, why did you ask me then? This is a little game we play, all right? So I'm washing the tire. And she goes, man, those, those, those wheels and tires are really dirty. And I say, yeah, you know, you know the, when the brake stops, you know, and it gets that brake dust, it gets real black. It's kind of nasty. And I'm cleaning. She goes, yeah. And she goes, Dad, what does that say on the tire? And, you know, she saw these letters on there. And I said, well, it says Goodyear. And she goes, well, well what is that? And I said, well, that's a company that makes tires, you know. And she goes, Really? Did they make all the tires? You know, I'm like, all these questions. I'm like, I just want to wash the wheel for crying out loud. Y'all know, you know? And, um, and I said, no, they, they don't make all the tires. They make a lot, but there's a lot of different companies out there that, that, make, that make tires because there's a lot of cars, right? Yeah. Well, well, what are all the companies? How many are there? I was like, yeah, what am I, you know? Yeah, look in the Wall Street Journal. I don't know, but... It, and so, she, and, and so there was this kind of awkward pause, and, and I kind of felt bad because I was kind of irritated, but I'm laughing because, man, this is cute. She really wants to know this stuff, I guess. And so I said, I don't, I don't know how many companies there are that make tires. And there's this pause. You know what she said, y'all? She goes, Jesus knows. Because Jesus, Jesus gave them all the money to have those companies. Y'all, I was like, are you kidding me? Did you just say that? And y'all, I'm not taking any credit for that whatsoever because I did not have like a little session with her to prompt any of that. And I thank God that she is down in our children's ministry every Sunday for Sunday school and during this time for worship, that she's learning something. And I'm so grateful to the people down there that teach my little girl. 
But here's my thought, y'all, I thought. That is such a simple thing that Jesus is trying to teach us about our heart and our treasure, that it all comes from him. And if we don't get that, we don't get anything. And I go, God, please don't let her at six ever forget that everything comes from you. Because if she's six going on 16, she's going to think that she's entitled and she's supposed to have this stuff. And we're, no, it all comes from God and we're stewards. So that was one of those moments where God was just going, learn from the kids. Learn from the kids. Want to know someone's heart? Follow their treasure and you will find it. What do we need to do about this? Well, I think we need to take inventory, Jesus is saying, of what we are storing up and where we are storing it up. And we must evaluate from there where our heart is. Are there some practices that need to change in my life about where I'm storing up and where my money's going, those kind of things? Why do we need to take inventory or change our practices concerning what we spend and what we use our resources for. If we want to put into practice Jesus' words like he tells us and build our life on a solid foundation, then we need to be good managers of what he gives us to possess, that what God has entrusted us with. And that's not to make you feel guilty or what he means. It's like, man, God's given you these things. What are you doing with them? Well, let's look at what, what Luke said. We looked at Matthew. Let's look at Luke. So Jesus, again, breaks it down as, you know, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with very much. But if you can't be trusted with a little, then you can't be trusted with, with a lot. You know, these are these things. And then he gets down to that, that this or that thing again. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You will either be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, why do you got to put it like that, Jesus? I don't serve money. Well, I'm just saying. I'm looking at your stuff and what you do with it. It makes me think that I'm not really your master. These things are your master. And that's where it gets convicting. And then we didn't have it on the screen, but Jesus, after this, in the two verses right after this, he's talking to the Pharisees. And Luke writes in his account, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and they were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your heart. God knows your heart. I know what you're thinking about what I'm saying. You're supposed to be the religious leaders teaching people about a personal relationship with God, but we know he knows where your heart is. It's about prestige and money and power, and that's what's important to you. And then he says, what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Think they were still sneering at that point? They were fuming because he is calling them out. So what do we need to know here from what Luke is saying? Well, what we practice or what we've been entrusted with says a lot about our character, doesn't it? Have we been honest with it? Can we be trusted with more and more valuable resources? You ever had this deal where you give your kids some money and it's more and they say, I need $10 or I need $5 for this. And you go, all I got is a 20. Now bring me the change. And then about two days, three days later, you go, hey, man, what happened to that chain? You go, hey, what happened? Oh, well, you know, I had to buy somebody dinner, and uh, we had to get gas. And uh, I was like, man, I just lost that 20 bucks, you know. But then there's this moment where, and I know kids are kids, okay. But there's this moment where you go, now, am I going to give her $20 next time? Or I'm going to, what's the exact amount? Because that's what you're getting this time. We have those moments. And God's saying, hey, that's, that's what it is, you know. When I give you things, I expect there to be some sort of a return on the things I've given to you, not just spending it all for yourself. Think about that. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about resources that God gives us and what we do with them. Now, my girls are here today, and they're going to hate this because I go on this 
rant all the time about this, okay? This is a resource that God has given us, isn't it? There's some awesome things we can do with this. But it is a resource. I'm not entitled to it, but I have it and I use it and so do you. And it's a valuable resource. But we spend billions and billions of dollars all over the world so that we can have these things. And I know it's great. I can, I can uh, talk to you. I can text you. I can look at uh, you know, what's on the menu at the restaurant I'm going to at lunch today. And Waze will take me there. The best route. So all that is great. It's wonderful to have this thing. But what are we doing with it? Is it a tool for me? I can, I can ha- have the Bible app, version. It's fantastic. I was talking about this on Wednesday night. You can look up any version of the Bible. It will help you get a plan to read the Bible. And it will notify you when you're supposed to read your plan every day. This is a great resource that God has provided for us through technology. Technology is not bad. Phones are not bad. But is it a tool for me or am I the tool for those who have made me a slave to it? Now, I just said to you, what if God says, I want to do an audit on your personal finances, Craig? What if he said, Craig, I want to do an audit on what you've been looking at on your phone and what you've been using that phone for? Now, I'm a little sensitive about this because this phone, actually, y'all pay for me to have mine, so i got to be real careful with it. But me and my girls argue over sometimes. We got this app that my girls love because it tells me exactly how many hours they've been on the phone, exactly what sites they've been going to, and they hate it. But I'm saying we laugh, but what if Jesus says, I want to just, I know what you've been looking at on your phone this week. I know what you've been doing with your phone. Is that advancing my kingdom or is it about you? That's convicting, isn't it? And I think about that. All these things. What does it say about the management of this tool for God's kingdom? Well, why do we need to know this? Because our practices and our behaviors with money and resources and things reveals clearly who our master is. It's either God or money and things. And you go, stop, Craig. Come on, man. I came to church to be encouraged. And now you're telling me I care more about money? I don't. I love God. But here's the deal, y'all. God knows how we can get swayed away from things. He said, remember in the Old Testament where I was your God? I walked with Adam and Eve in the coolness of the day. But then they got lured into other things that weren't real, that weren't authentic. And you started following them. And then then I I, I picked out a group of people, the Jewish nation, that I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. But you got lured away. Well, God, yeah, we love you, but but we kind of like these other people that are around us. And they serve these gods, the sun god and the, the agriculture god. So we're just going to take a little bit of scoop of their god and a little bit of scoop of this god and that god. And we still have you on the plate. You're, you're the main entree god, but we want some of this. He goes, no, those aren't real. Those are not the creator. They are created things that you're worshiping, that I created. And I'm a jealous god, and I don't want you, you know, Serving those things because ultimately they will leave you empty and insecure. And he's saying that same thing here. Our practices and behaviors tell us where our heart is. We can't serve both because money and things, y'all, are a lousy master because they're inanimate. But God is personal and will not compete with these impersonal idols or masters of ours. Daryl Bach in his commentary on Luke says this, Do we serve God or our resources and the pursuit of those resources? For many, this is the most fundamental question of life. The pursuit of wealth and things can cause us to ignore God. 
It can cause us to undervalue our family. It can cause us to walk over people. It can cause us to use them, act unethically, and engage in a host of other destructive actions. To pursue wealth and the status that often comes with us means to worship creation and not our creator. Well said, wasn't it? Now, some of those things I just read, it can cause us to use people to get what we want. Y'all, let me tell you how heartbroken I am about baseball. Since I've been a little boy, baseball has been my favorite sport. I love it. I watch it. I read about it. But what has happened? Y'all know this junk about the World Series, right? And, and, and stealing signs. And I'm just going, what possessed y'all? And I go, it had to be money and power. And I'm just, I'm just heartbroken. I'm not, you know, I'm not watching baseball ever again. I'm not that kind of deal. But it breaks my heart to go, man, I thought those guys were good guys. And I found out they were cheating the whole time. For what? It's a game that we all love. And it's American pastime. And you had to cheat. Again, where is your heart? Where is your character? You've been, you've been given this opportunity to play baseball for a living for millions of dollars. Is it any better in life than that? And you had to cheat. And now look. People are having to fire people. And people are having to quit. And so, hey, we won the World Series in 2017 forever. When you see Houston Astros in 2017, what are you going to think? Cheated. My son, we were talking about, he goes, Dad, who's the home run champ? And I was like, I don't really know anymore. We were watching Ken Burns' baseball thing about Babe Ruth. And I said, well, Hank Aaron broke his wing. He goes, who's that other guy, Barry Bonds? I was like, yeah, I'm not really sure where that is. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? And that's why Jesus is saying, know where your heart is. Well, what do we need to do? We need to honestly ask ourselves, who is our master? Is it money and things or is it God? Or is it the God of, he's the creator of these things for us to enjoy. He doesn't care if we have cell phones. He doesn't care if we have TVs and nights. There's not, that's not it. But does it have us? That's what he cares about. We also need to be brutally honest with ourselves like Jesus was with the Pharisees when he says, God knows your hearts. You're sneering at me because God knows your hearts. He knows where your treasure is. He knows and he has been doing an audit on your heart and an audit on, an audit on my heart since day one. He's always auditing our heart, y'all. He wants to know where it is. And your treasure, he said to the Pharisees, is in money and power and the false security that you have put in both. And it's a false security. And what people highly value in the culture and what y'all are pursuing and practicing, he says, is detestable in God's sight. So again, some of these things we're practicing in our lives with our money and our resources. What does God say? I mean, what does he think when he sees us doing that? He says, who's your master? It's a tough question. And God knows our hearts. And our hearts are with our treasures. It's true. And God does not treasure what the world does. So why do we constantly need to ask ourselves who our master is? Because, y'all, we're human. The world is constantly marketing at us, aren't they? Constantly telling us, we need this. If you're going to be really a good dad, you need to buy this car because it's safer. You need to buy this. You need to do this. You need to be more efficient. It's constantly marketing, marketing. We're getting ready to come to the Super Bowl. And what do we, besides the game, what do we love? Commercials, they're awesome, aren't they? But what in all those commercials, you realize the billions of dollars they will spend trying to get inside our heads and get us to buy things. But that is of this world, Jesus says. It will get old. Those things will break down. Microwaves break down. Big screen TVs, they break. Cars get old. They wear out. They fade. People will steal them. 
But if we're not clear who our master is, and if we're not clear where our hearts will be, and the treasures that we're storing up, they will not last if we're not clear on that. And we will be empty and insecure and constantly looking for the next thing. Well, this one's no good anymore. I need the new one. And we do that. Jesus says he came to give us a full and abundant life, but not necessarily an abundance of things that takes us further away from him rather than closer to him. Jesus wants our hearts. Y'all, he didn't say this stuff just to make us feel guilty and to get us fired up and mad. He didn't want to get us fired up, but he wanted us to say, wait a minute, where is your heart really? He wanted to get to our hearts by reminding them of a personal God that's been pursuing them since the Garden of Eden. And he's been pursuing us, y'all, every day of our lives, whether we acknowledge it or not. That same God has been pursuing us through history. And Jesus came to earth, God in the flesh, in a human body in the first century. And he was literally on earth to say, I want to save you from those things that cannot bring you security and eternity. And your sin takes you away from me. So I'm going to die so that you can really know what really matters, where your treasure really ought to be with me eternally. And he did that with the price of his life. That's how much he loves us, y'all. So the question I have for us today is, are you still trying to decide where to store up your treasure? And the other question is, are you still trying to decide who is your master? And some of us are kind of straddling on that. I do it too. I know it's, it's human nature. But that's why we need to listen to Jesus' words and, as he says, put them into practice so that we can have a solid foundation. Peter tells us, and Peter knew about this. He wanted to be strong and do these things. But he said, God is patient with you and not wanting anyone to perish but all to come to repentance. God is patient with us. But he wants us to come to repentance. Repentance, you know what that means? Change your ways. Change the way you're practicing. If you're going this way and it's taking you away from God, then turn around and go this way and change your practices. Change your behavior. Not just say you're sorry and I'll do better, but I'll do better. I'm just going to keep going this way. No, change it. And he's patient with us, wanting us to come. Repent means change your practices. Stop storing up treasures here and start storing them up for heaven. Change your master from impersonal things to personal things. A God that values you and pursues this authentic relationship with you and wants that in your life. This is hard stuff, isn't it? But man, it's good stuff when you really think about it. A God that calls us out because he loves us so much that he wants us to really know what matters in life. And I think that's what Jesus is saying today. Now next week, we're going to get a little more practical about the money thing. And you might be going, I'm not coming next week. He's talking about that again, getting all personal in my junk. But it's important, y'all. I need to hear this. We need to hear this. So maybe there's somebody here today who wants to start practicing and managing your resources God's way. And you realize it's, it's, it's kind of been a mess. And at any time, you can turn those things around. So we're going to offer the opportunity this morning, not for you to come up here and admit you're a financial moron, because we all are at times, okay? But to come up here and say, Jesus, I want you to take part of my life. And part of that is the resources and things that you've put into my life, and I want to I manage those better, and I want you to start being my true master. If you need to do that day, we want to offer that opportunity. 
or you're looking for a church where we say, hey, we offer things to help people with these things. Like we're going to uh, do Financial Peace University in, in, a, in a few weeks. We're going to offer that again. We try to offer it on a regular basis to help people. Not just to scold people and say, hey, no, let's help people with this. We need help in that. And so if you need to make one of those decisions today, we ask you to come forward as we stand. Kevin's going to lead, lead us in a song right now. And then we're going to go into a time of communion, and I'll walk you through that in just a minute. But let's... Uh